All right. So welcome everyone to the Probably Something podcast, where we interview great founders in the world of AI. Today, we're joined with Ramon and Blaine from the team at Cast Magic. Welcome to the pod. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Josh. Excited to be here. Sweet. So let's dive right in and talk a little bit about what you guys are building, which is Cast Magic. So in simple terms, what exactly is the value proposition of uh, Cast Magic? Yeah, so I think in simple terms, the value proposition is we can use AI to extract all the value and context that happens within long form audio and media and help you repurpose that content into whatever type of end destination or end type of content asset you would want. So in the example of podcasts, we're here on a podcast, we can take our hour long conversation today, we can run it through Cast Magic and instantly you're going to be able to get all your different assets from the show, like your show notes, your timestamps, your blog articles, your tweet threads, all the content that you would need to like build up and promote your show. But just like we could do that for podcasting, we could do it for a whole bunch of different mediums, right? We can do it for medium or for sales calls, for meetings, for church churches that have like their sermons. We can do it for car dealerships who are managing they're working sales force who are like having calls and trying to extract data and insights from their sales calls. What was the vehicle that came in? What was the mileage? Has this person been to our dealership before, et cetera? So it's a really flexible platform that basically at the heart of it takes audio and long form audio and media and converts it instantly into whatever type of content asset you need. I definitely want to dive into some use cases because on the podcast side of things, Josh and I understand it because we've got our own podcast now. And so you're taking a piece of a recording and then getting show notes, getting timestamps, all those things from you guys, which usually is something that's quite tedious to create on your own and quite manual. So I, I get the value proposition there. Could you double click into some of the other use cases you mentioned? Maybe a sales meetings is a good one to take a look at. I'm wondering how Cast Magic works in those cases. Yeah, so I think the big thing that Cast Magic does, it takes content and allows you to customize all the different content blocks that you would want to mine out from a certain type of audio or media file, right? So in the example of sales calls or customer discovery calls, you might want to extract what's this customer's budget and buying process? What are their key challenges that they're trying to overcome? What's their timeline? What solutions have they tried in the past? And obviously, if you don't talk about those in the conversation, it's not going to be able to mine it out, but we're able to use AI and you're able to basically program whatever it is that you need for your own workflow, right? You may have uh, a different way of running your sales process than a different st startup founder or a different company. But the whole point of Cast Magic is you're able to customize it to whatever your needs are and basically write and craft the prompts that you need. So if you wanted to take a sales call and automatically turn it into an email follow-up that follows up with the prospect and maps all the stuff out, you'd obviously be able to do that. So that's the kind of idea is just giving you that customizability and flexibility to work with any sort of content medium and turn it into whatever you need using AI. A lot of these insights can be used for other parts too. I think one of the most valuable parts is that it is a workspace where all of these people within an organization can participate. And so a lot of information typically gets lost. 
between sales team, marketing teams, content teams, and for all the content team could get a lot of value of deriving what are the main objections in order to create their content calendar and make sure to address those points and turn it into talking points. And your current alternative to do that is to give access to your content team to grain and have them sit through and read and and listen to all the conversations, which in reality, no team member is going to just listen to green calls during my gym time to make sure I'm up to date with the company's content. That's another added value too. Can you guys maybe quickly talk about some of the AI involved, like how the AI works? Yeah, definitely. There's a couple different things that need to happen in order to take audio media, et cetera, and do it. From a model's perspective, we have to deal with processing of turning audio into text, right? Into a transcript. So we have a couple different providers that we're able to work with on the back end. You can either work with something like OpenAI, which has Whisper, which is one of the models. And then there's some managed services, right? There's one that we work with called DeepGram, another we work with called Assembly. But the challenge here is that these audio to text models, they're all different, right? We're catering to 80 plus languages, we're catering to all different types of content and there's different types of content that work well for different types of situations. Even like a situation like this, right? There's four of us talking on this call. AI needs to decide, okay, there's four unique voices. It needs to fingerprint those voices to do the diarization, so kind of on our end, when it comes to productizing these things, we need to understand what is the use case that the end user is trying to solve for and then how do we work backwards to curate what's out there in the market and build our own system that works for whatever that user is trying to achieve and then i guess the text and the language side of things our job is to also kind of survey and understand the different llms that are out there understand their performance how do they perform with different amounts of context where do we need to place information in the prompts to be able to generate the result that people are looking for so while on the surface, it might look really simple, like, oh, you just take a speech to text model and combine it with an LLM actually to get the result that becomes useful and in any sort of way is a little bit more complex and a lot more needs to happen under the hood. Yeah. Are there tools that, that help you connect different workflows on the, on the AI side of things? For instance, if you're using a speech to text AI model, but then that needs to feed into a specific LLM to complete one part of the challenge on the product side of things, but then you need another part of that speech to text to go into a different place. What does it look like from a product uh, standpoint there? Are there some cool tools that you're using, almost like Zapier type tools for AI uh, that, that are useful in this case? There's definitely some startups that are popping up to solve that exact case, like Zapier for AI. I know people have built some really cool things with like Retool and and a whole bunch of other things. I think it just depends what it is you're trying to do, what your budget is to pull it off and how you're thinking about things, right? Because like I had mentioned before, you could either self-host a model like an open AI whisper and do a whole bunch of the chunking and processing, et cetera, yourself. Or you could use the managed service, which does a lot of the hard things. It hosts it for you. You basically just send it the audio file and it sends you back exactly what you need. So I think when it comes down to it, the short answer is yes, there are solutions starting to emerge. A lot of this is also very new. So there are solutions that are starting and will emerge that will solve your like Zapier sort of use cases, but things are moving so fast that I think it just comes down to, do you want to work at the model level yourself? Do you want to self-host yourself? Or do you want to work with a managed service that 
takes care of a lot of the hard stuff for you at an economical rate and then rig up your own system, which is what we're seeing. And in our case, we built all of it like custom internally in the sense that we're not necessarily leveraging the Zapier for AI tools. I think there's different ways of solving the problem that you want to solve with your audio, like context extraction, but yeah, you can use it with one of those tools. But at the end of the day, Cast Magic is an audio content workspace with context. And so it means that your workflow is like really important to us. And that's why we built it because we built it to solve our own workflow. And we're every day investing into improving your workflow in ways that you didn't even think were possible. Yeah, I think that's a good segue into sort of what inspired the idea behind Cast Magic. Yeah, I think pretty simply put was Ramon and I are running DTC pod, which is our podcast. And that's how we know Tim from coming from previous work in the e-commerce and D2C sort of space. But through that process, we're coming up on 300 episodes now. We have these amazing guests. We have these great conversations. They run 45 minutes, an hour long. And to actually do the content justice, it's pretty much a full-time job, right? right? Then what we would try to do is bring someone else in, bring in an editor and say, hey, why don't you go figure it out? And the problem is the editor loses the context of this great conversation that I have. They need to transcribe the whole conversation. They need to understand who the guests are, what they're saying, which quotes are important, which themes are important. How do we convert that into copy that we're posting on our blog, on our website, in our content machine, even in our show notes and everything like that? And it takes a lot of time. So when we saw AI coming out, I was like, you know what? It would be really sweet if AI could just do all of this. And basically what happened was Ramon's very good friend, Justin, was an absolute beast of a developer. He was like one of the heads of platform at blockchain.com. He's like a child prodigy, basically. And Ramon was like on a ski trip with him. and was like, hey, man, I've got this idea for the pod. What do you think? And I was like, oh man, like this guy's for sure saying no. Why would he say yes? Like, why would he build that? And I guess Justin's like, yeah, it sounds like a pretty cool idea. Let's do it. So that was kind of the birth of Cast Magic was us obviously trying to solve our own problem and our content workflow for the podcast. And then as we started to grow, as we started to work with different customers, as we ourselves had different use cases that emerged from starting a startup, we started to see the congruencies and the use case and the application of a more, call it horizontal solution, where it's not just a vertical podcast tool, but this application of being able to capture the magic in the context of any media file and use that as context to write and generate whatever type of end content that you'd like. So the moral of the story is go on more ski trips with your friends. You never know what could happen. <laughs> are you guys making money? Yeah. Big yeah time. Um, we are coming up on a million generated. First line of code was written January 1st and first customer was around April. And then we started selling subscriptions around May, June or so. Yeah, that's incredible. Congrats guys. And and like you said, things are happening so quick in the AI space. And for you both to spot an opportunity early on, find the, the right infrastructure to set this up and to go from Jan 1 to where you're at now so quickly is, is really impressive. Are there any learnings for others in, in terms of like your growth trajectory? Like how did you build it so fast? Is it really just this Justin's uh, a mastermind and that's that? Or is there more to it? And then we'd love to also talk about how you acquired users and things like that. But go for it. Yeah, I can get into some of the growth stuff. But honestly, I think at the end of the day, the growth can't happen or click if you're not solving a real pain point. 
And I think the biggest moral of the story is looking to what you do every single day and the, the workflows that you go through and the problems that you personally have when interacting with platforms or even just solving anything that doesn't have to do with software. Because what made it work is the fact that it clicked with a lot of people and it's because we solved our own problem through their own workflows of our own podcast. So I think that's like number one ingredient in the recipe to be able to have exponential growth. We got really lucky, I think, as well with doing, we launched and we didn't know whether this was viable. And we continued iterating on our onboarding flows until something worked and, and something really resonated. I think we also had a quick start with doing lifetime deals and selling software as a lifetime deal. And so that helped build the community. And so after we had that first layer of community, we were there for them. Our hire number one was a community manager, even before bringing in the second developer or so, which is a little bit of a counterintuitive move, but Blaine actually made that hire and, and we knew like community was a core of our business. So that was like ingredient number two, get the community going, get people really excited to tell your story as well, tell their friends. And then from there on out, it was more so how do we grow it? What, what gets you from zero to one isn't what gets you from one to two. So what are going to be the channels that have the best opportunity, the best unit economics for us? And creators worked really well. You know, my previous business was with creators trend. And so um, we really leverage creators to then continue to grow. I don't know, Blaine, if there's anything you'd add to that. Yeah, I mean, I think the... Obviously, it's great. We're able to get to close to a million bucks in ARR this fast with zero capital raised as well. But I don't want to discount the market factors involved as well. I think a lot of startup founders think that they're geniuses and they're capturing lightning in a bottle and all this sort of stuff. I think it's about understanding market opportunities, where markets are moving and how to be in the right place at the right time because if you're not building it and the market wants it someone else is going to build it like we happened to not only execute really well we happen to be one of the first of these tools to market and we happen to have a better go to market than everyone else that was building anything similar to us when i took you back to jan one when we were talking about getting this off the ground i was like wow like justin saying yes like we gotta go and we gotta go fast because we saw the market coming we saw the competition we saw everything here but we're like there might just be a world in which we make this happen and we have been able to today and we want to continue that but yeah i definitely don't want to downplay how important it is to pick the right market pick the right problem and like ramon said make sure there's a problem that you're actually solving because if you and me working in a hot market and actually solving a problem that's when you're onto something you can work in a hot market and if you're not solving a problem when the market fades and you're not tied into a workflow you're just going to get washed out with the tide it's funny how moving fast wasn't necessarily going and raising a bunch of money. Yeah, what, shipping. What, yeah, what, exactly. What one thing we joke about is we don't even have a deck for Cast Magic. I literally don't have a deck because we've been spending all our time either with customers or with building and shipping product. And we literally said we joked about it. We're like, literally, if we go raise capital, that's going to be a distraction. And the person who's going to win the market is already going to have taken the market because they weren't spending time talking to investors about raising capital. Yeah, you guys are like actually riding the wave and solving a real need, right? What other go-to-market strategies or channels, growth channels are working for you guys? Or maybe said another way, like what 
growth channels are you looking in the future? One point is funny, Joshua, that you mentioned you're riding the wave and you're solving a real problem because you can certainly also ride the wave without solving a real problem just because the wave is so big. And there's some people like getting into the fad of AI and like these avatar iOS apps that make a bunch of money. Like they're certainly riding a wave, but they're not necessarily solving a real problem. So I think that's a key element of solving the problem. In terms of like uh, growth strategies, you know, I think the creator landscape is like what we're really focused on. It's such a big opportunity and market to just hire creators to produce content. And that goes hand in hand with organic content, which is something that like we're investing heavily into. We hire creators, Lane and I have a team of people that come over with their cameras and we shoot a bunch of content, just distilling what is cast magic and constantly just spitting it into a camera to just capture a hook, capture something that really resonates with people. So organic content is a big part of what we do. Um, and I think that the community and turning those co that community into affiliates and turning them into evangelists and making sure they also win while promoting something that they already love and we're always going to promote, honestly, that keeps us busy enough. Like our, our team is it's just myself on the marketing and growth side. We use a few VAs, but that's enough work on the plate. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say there is I think it's, there's a million different growth channels that you can pursue as a startup. I think it comes down to understanding what your potential competitive advantages might be and doubling down on those. So for Ramon and I, we've been creators, Ramon's worked with creators and we were like, you know what? Everyone in SaaS runs the same sort of maybe call it outdated playbooks or whatever. Like, why don't we lean into what our competitive advantages and just create a shitload of content and work with the best creators and create content and use that as our growth lever. Obviously do all the other things that Ramon was saying and build that sort of halo effect where you bring in top of funnel with use creators, you're able to drive up a whole bunch of traffic, you funnel them to your product, and then you have a community. And from the community, you're able to build out an affiliate strategy. But I think it's it just comes down to every startup's different, every timing is different. And knowing what you're good at, rely on the channels that you know, and you don't have to be everywhere, you just have to be good at the ones that you're good at. Yeah. And what I love about your approach from a growth standpoint is that you're letting the product do the talking. And because people can see the value in cast magic from the content that you're putting out, it helps promote it. So I think for me, when I think about you guys, I also think about another business that we've stumbled upon with Josh called Clap, K-L-A-P. And so Clap basically creates reels and shorts based off YouTube videos. So it's a similar workflow where you're uploading a YouTube link and off of that, it's spitting out YouTube shorts and reels, which is, is a pain in the ass to, to produce. And so they do it really well. And so how do they advertise it? They advertise it by showing the Huberman podcast in reels. And so you get the value instantly from it. And it's a great way to, to market the product. You know, you also have to understand the dynamics of your product and your audience. It's not like we came into this business and said, this is going to be the exact go-to-market strategy. It's almost like it, it's almost revealed itself as we go through because we have the benefit that our customers are creators who have an audience. And so that's why the elements of like them being able to be affiliates work. And I just bring that up because in my previous company trend, like this didn't work. Our customers were e-commerce 
brands and employees at an e-commerce brand that just had no incentive to share your product and didn't really care unless it was like to their friends or a conference or something, but not that it's within their nature to share. So I think it's really important to really know your customer base. Yeah. And other thing, just piggybacking off that is like your customer base will start to reveal itself. Like when we first started the product, we were like, oh, I wonder who's going to buy this. And coming from the SaaS world, we were like, oh, let's just start hitting up people and doing sales calls and thinking of it in more of like an enterprise motion. And then quickly we started to see signups going up and we're having 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, all the way to a hundred plus signups every day. And we're like, we can't sustain that. So clearly we're more prosumer product led. And then that sort of changes the go-to-market, what we need to do and why we're doing a creator strategy. If this was like an enterprise B2B player, our strategy would probably be a little bit different. Yeah, totally hear you on that. So when I look at Cast Magic today, uh, what I notice is like a product that's very much complete. Uh, like you guys have done a great job and we've uploaded some content for the Probably Something podcast. And the stuff that you get back is exactly the stuff that you advertise on Cast Magic. Great timestamps, good show notes, et cetera. But it doesn't seem like it's complete from your perspective. You're still building. You're like grinding it out right now. And it's only been a few months since you've been live. So Ramon, you talked about an iOS app. What is that? Is that taking a lot of your time? And what are the other things on the horizon? What's the vision for Cast Magic that looks a little bit different than what it is today? So I wish it was complete. That would make life really easy, but it's not. We have a lot on the roadmap, even little details like our website. We always feel like we're behind, right? Like we're, we look at our website, we're like, shit, doesn't nearly explain, like it doesn't do justice for what the product does. In terms of what's next, like the iOS app, it's just another place to be a point of capture in ways where you currently can't capture content. So you're not going to bring up your Zoom recorder to an in-person meeting just to be able to grab the audio and transcribe it. So it's just along the missions of being there where creators are and where they're having their conversations. Some people want to capture conversations with friends and be able to have takeaways and things like that. The iOS app is nothing more than just a point of capture. In terms of what's coming next, it's a lot more of optimization on the workflow and a lot more optimization on the bottles to be able to really cater to you personally and continue to increase the quality of the output. Aside from that, everything else is going to be around workflow, which is collaboration and just making sure that we are an essential sidekick for every creator when it comes to their content workflow. Yeah, definitely. And I think just piggybacking off that, I think it's so important to move fast and understand what to build at the right time. I think the most interesting part of building in today's landscape is product strategy. It's like never been more important because the stakes are so high. There's so much competition. And if you invest time working on the wrong thing, like you're screwed. So one example would be the new releases that we've got coming out from OpenAI, right? Like they've announced higher context windows, function calling, like all these sort of tools. Had we spent our time working on a different side of infrastructure to patch a bunch of the problems that were just going to be solved with the new releases, like all that dev time would go up in, up in smoke, right? Because like what they just released is basically better than what our team of devs could like spin up if had they spent the last couple months working on it. So we have to be really thoughtful of understanding where's the puck going and what do we need to be building within our ecosystem that's both 
defensible and complementary with the developments that are happening within the ecosystem. So it's just a really fascinating point of view from product strategy. And a North Star for us is, like Ramon was saying, how do we get content as close to that end result of like, had I spent all afternoon, like locked up in my room, like reading this whole transcript and writing it out, like, how do we make that happen in one second? And we're getting closer and closer every day. And the last thing is we're saying our, our, at our core, we want to turn media, whether it's video or audio, and we want to turn it into context for your content. So that's the idea. It's like, how do we make it really easy for you to get the content or the media that you work with into cast magic? workshop it, workflow it, work with your team and have it sound exactly like you. Yeah. That point on product strategy is such an important point. Like where is the puck going? And then knowing what to build so that you can create a moat that doesn't disappear in two seconds is so important. Listen, guys, we'll let you go. This has been an incredible call. Thanks so much for chatting. Yeah. Curious if you guys have any kind of final thoughts on cast magic or just AI in general. Thanks for having us guys. It was a lot of fun. I think just final thought is it seems like content and context is the future. So there's a, a quote that actually came out of our community that, that I love, which is content is king, context is God. I just think for anyone, whether you're a podcaster, a creator, a business, having your own personal context is everything when it comes to AI, because you can ask AI to write something for you, but it's not going to sound like you and it's not going to be what you really mean. And as humans, as we create content, as we speak, as it gives us ways to provide these AI models with like our own custom insights, vantage points, and unique data to come up with the things that we really want. So I just think it's an amazing time for all of us. I know you alluded to at the beginning of the call, like how do we paint the picture of AI so it's not all doom and gloom? Well, I would say me being able, us being able to shoot the shit on a podcast and have AI do all the legwork of pulling out all those insights so people can learn and absorb all the content like that we're talking about and lessons we're sharing. I think that's like hyper valuable and that's amazing, right? The fact that that barrier is lowered. So it, I don't need to be spending two or 300 grand a year on content production just to get my message out. So it's almost like anyone now has the power of massive agencies or content teams or production teams behind them just with a couple clicks with AI. So I think it's a pretty, pretty amazing time to be alive and uh, a great time to be building. Yeah. That's my same takeaway is along the last lines of what you mentioned, Blaine, which is between the midst of everyone creating a tool and going viral, et cetera, making a ton of money. There's also a unique opportunity of being an early adopter as a creator and making a ton of money by doing that without having to worry about the hassles of like actually building a product and having to remain like at the top of the game when you can just create content and leverage like this unique opportunity and time. Yeah.